Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. This is our big deep dive show. We are standing on the bridge of a big Mon Calamari cruiser, and I am Joseph Scrimshaw. A home one pickle of a ship. I'm Ken Knapsack. <laughs> we today are going to be talking about Republic Reborn. We are going to be looking ahead. Uh, looking into our dreams and expectations and wants for the Star Wars story after Episode Nine, And as you'll hear, we're going to have some fun with this. We're going to dig deep, but also just go into the era of uh, the, the, the area as fans of, man, what if? And that's kind of fun. Before we do all of that, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. For your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We always do a four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And as we said on Tuesday, Joseph, this recommendation is a good kind of homework. Yeah, that's right, because we are going to be discussing this book soon. It has uh, flown to us, and we are going to be cracking it open. It is Poe Dameron, colon, Freefall by Alex Segura. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. And with that, we are going to dive into Republic Reborn. Ken, I was I was thinking about this topic uh, in a lot of different ways as uh, we made our notes and, and had our thoughts. But the, to hear you describe the conversation we're going to have, it just excites me because it is the kind of conversation that I just had with my friends, mostly at bars before the prequel series came out of just the like, ooh, what could happen? What would be cool? What might you want to see? And I think, you know, we'll probably get into some like, ooh, could that happen? What are the realities of that? But this is really just going to be a, a hanging out with your friends going, what would be awesome to happen next in Star Wars? Yeah, we we love talking our big themes here, and I guarantee those will pop up. And, and can you carry the string of those themes out into untold territory of storytelling? But this is also interesting to me because for fans like you and I, Joseph, this is something, the kind of conversations we have had for years, going back to 1983. And I'm not saying if you are in a different era of Star Wars fandom or you came on a little bit later that you can't have or haven't had these conversations. But it's interesting because we've kind of been down this road before as fans, and that is uh, there's both good and bad with that. And at the end of the day, though, it's always fun. Yeah, that's right. We're going to learn from the past and think about the future. So we're specifically, we're going to talk about what the next stories could be right after the Rise of Skywalker and moving forward from Rise of Skywalker. So I want to start with some big picture stuff. Ken, for you, uh, we were just talking about this being, you know, totally fun, hang out with your friends, conjecture. Is this for you mostly fun conjecture, or are you really, really hoping that some of these stories will be told soon? And, and if so, what kind of medium? Is it book, comic, audio drama, Disney Plus show, all that. You've used that word soon, and that's a dangerous word for me. <laughs> I'm saying this is mostly fun conjecture uh, because I just I think there's some realities in getting some of these characters back on screen that you may would just I, I have to temper expectations right until Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac and John Boyega are years past their experience, not just with making the film, which definitely seems to be mostly positive, but uh, the experiences with with fandom and and some of the stuff they've gone through. Uh, professionally try to say, hey, cool, I've done that and move on. And, uh, you know, we get it. We've been down that road as Star Wars fans. We, we know what 
what you mean when I'm talking about. So I think I am trying to keep it fun. But books and comics and audio dramas, Disney Plus, all the things you just mentioned, Joseph, it can really open up the possibilities uh, of things to come. And so uh, there's a little bit of that weight hanging over my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I'm in agreement with you. I think just there's the real practical reality of unless something changes, it's going to be a minimum of, to me, five to ten years before some of the big players go, you know what, that would be fun to revisit uh, that character. So I think we're going to be waiting for a little while. You know, we've got to slow down in the movies coming out and and possibly the Disney Plus shows after uh, Mandalorian and Bad Batch. Uh, so there's a little bit of just like, oh, well, Star Wars storytelling is, you know, going to slow down a little bit. So I think it'll be a while before we would see major characters. I do think there might be room to tell some smaller stories in this era that don't overcommit to any big decision in comic book form or audio drama form. If you're just if it's just immediately after the Battle of Exegol and it's a, a minor character having a minor adventure. Maybe you could creep into this territory a little bit, but you know, who knows? I could be wrong. I don't think we're going to turn around and have the, you know, uh, the Finn Disney plus show uh, anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. Now another part of this, and this is interesting to me because it is about having um, lived through this or being a student of this history of uh, Star Wars wraps up <laughs> and then there's a bunch of storytelling and then, oh, we need to change that a little bit. And then Star Wars wraps up and then there's a bunch of uh, non-movie storytelling. And we're like, oh, we need to change that. In fact, that's Legends now. So how do you feel about that? If we could get some of these stories, if Lucasfilm Publishing announced, you know what? We are doing Ray's new Jedi Order book series. We're doing it. We're going for it. Would you be excited to have that knowing from past experience that there is a possibility that 15, 20 years from now, uh, somebody would say, uh, those books aren't canon anymore because they messed with the movies. They made decisions that the movie creators want to be able to make. Would you tra- have that trade-off? Would you happily read the Ray and the New Jedi Order series knowing what might befall it in the future? <sighs> First of all, you're asking to me. You're asking me to look uh, when I'm 102. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I think, and this is this is interesting because obviously I've said several times I, I wasn't knee deep in Legends. I just was casually aware of it, read some things, enjoyed some things in it for sure. I, I I've always want to say that and remind people of that. But I wasn't so lost in it. So when it was announced in what April 2014, boom, we're done. We're clearing the slate on that and starting new. I was so excited. It was like, great, yes, let's kind of clear out a lot of the chuff, maybe pull in some things we like and go forward. So I I I I would I I kind of think I'd come down on the side of not worth the trade-off. If 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 it's a if it's an official Ray in the Jedi Order book series and I know that eventually it'd be lost, I think I I'd say no. Yeah. Like books. Which is a weird spot for me to be in. I get it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm so torn because I'm hungry for other adventures, but I also really understand the perspective of like, well, let's just learn that Star Wars lesson of letting go. And, you know, if you want adventures, uh, do what we're doing. (laughs) Have conversations with your friends, uh, record them for a podcast or don't just, you know, speculate and dream and write fan fiction. Um, But I also feel that pull of like, oh, but I I love these characters and I just want to spend more time with them. Um, maybe there's, you know, some gray area in between where there's, you could tell a story of, uh, you know, a, a child's legend of Ray, and maybe it's really told from the perspective of like, maybe this is true. Maybe it isn't. And you 
managed to create a new story that way where you give yourself a little bit of wiggle room. But any mm-hmm. story that extends without being really kind of focused in a minor way, any story that extends past a Rise of Skywalker is really making some big decisions about the char- who the characters are in the future and the state of the galaxy. That It's a weird time to be making those unless you're really all in. Yeah, and, and the thing I'll say, and, and I know Delray's been in the game for a long time, but now it's definitely different, right? There wasn't in 2005 or 1999 or 93, there wasn't this, and, not, and I'll say the Zahn trilogy had that official continuation type of uh, headline attached to it, but there wasn't this, let's get to a, sit down at a desk at, at, at a conference room and kind of get these stories going forward. Like, let's, 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 let's map this out. High Republic, for example. So this time around, there could be that, right? And I, we don't necessarily want stories to be created in conference rooms, but you know what I mean by that. Yeah. That bringing to me this time around, that they would have learned, all right, hey, we got a little wild. We had legends, five levels of legends. And uh, yeah, let's be honest, George was never interested in it too much, right? <laughs> and we fans knew that. And uh, it'd, be, it'd be different going forward. So that's why I think I'd still maybe take that shot. Yeah, give me those stories and the movies can fall with a May 20 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very intriguing uh, question to me of whether or not you, you would accept that potential trade-off you mm-hmm. read those books, knowing that there was that giant hand of Lucasfilm, whoever might be in charge at the time, just floating over there, much like George's was that entire time. Right. Cause yep. he was always like, yeah, no, I'll change anything, you know, change things in the prequels, you know, uh, mm-hmm. powerful. Powerful. Uh, All right, let's move on to discussing some of what those stories might be. And we're going to talk kind of some big picture stuff, the state of the galaxy. You know, we're calling this episode Republic Reborn because it really is about what is the state of the galaxy. And then the second half of the podcast, we'll get into adventures of specific characters and wants there. So at the end of Rise of Skywalker, the entire galaxy rose up together. They answered the call and they defeated the Sith working together. Uh, It's not a Navy. It's just people so at the end there's no government and no organized group of jedi so given that what challenges do you think the galaxy is facing in this moment i think it's the it's the nature of every being and knowing that you know you'd have to maybe set up some of this stuff to what degree is what we're going to figure out maybe you don't need to just put down the template for the same government maybe you have a chance as a galaxy but you know, eventually the rah, rah, rah is going to settle down. The parades are going to end. Uh, we'll have the Battle of Exegol Remembrance Day. And once a year, you kind of remember. Then five years later, you're still bickering over policy or where to put a temple or where uh, whether or not to form an army. Right. And, and this is actually what I'm really intrigued about. I'll say this, Joseph, and, and, and looking ahead and making some of these notes that we've been making for this episode. I was thinking a lot of the stuff I'd be pitching if I were would be rather boring, dull Star Wars storytelling. <laughs> I will counter with, would they? Would they? <laughs> uh, but you're right. Would it be the the whiz-bang adventures of trying to figure out how best to govern? <laughs> you know, it would be valuable to us as Star Wars fans. And this goes right up top, and this might come up a few times there, but going back to 83, going back to an Ewok party, the statues have come down. Well, we learned that a little bit later in special editions. The good guys, the good team won. Mm-hmm. Yay. That's all we had to worry about. Yay. And then yeah. now you, you bring it back in any way, shape, or form. George goes backwards. George didn't go forward. Now when 
when anyone, even if George himself decided, all right, I'm going to do episode seven in 2010 by myself, you would have had to figure out, all right, but what really happened? I can't just be the party still going. I'm intrigued with that in episode nine. So it would be, that'd be the big problem, you know? People. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much that I'm intrigued by. I think George clearly always had the story of Star Wars is the tale of how a good government uh, destroyed itself from the inside and how a good person, Anakin Skywalker, became an utter monster Darth Vader. And if you ever doubt that he always had that story, there's that uh, prologue of the Star Wars novelization, you know, ghostwritten by Alan Dean Foster, but still obviously uh, Lucas's ideas. Um, But you can watch the original trilogy and you can just accept that wise old master Obi-Wan Kenobi said, hey, there were Jedi Knights, it was a Republic, there was peace and justice, it was great. So you can just watch the original trilogy as they just got to get rid of the bad government so the good government can come back and don't worry about it too much. So (laughs) even if you imagine, well, the party ends, they restore the previous government. Uh, Then we go, you know, George goes deep into actual politics with the prequels and even more so with the Clone Wars animated series. So by the time you get to the end of Rise of Skywalker, it really does leave you with this question of, well, what is the actual structure of the government? Because we've seen, you know, you got to go to Bloodline and other other books um, and comics to get the sense of, well, this government stopped functioning too, uh, the new republic, and had this policy of appeasement toward the first order, and said, "Ah, don't don't worry about it. I'm I'm sure yeah. <laughs> those people dressed and behaving like the empire aren't a problem." Uh, so we've had these cycles, and it's not just Star Wars. It is a lot of different storytelling. It happens uh, to an extent in Game of Thrones. It happens to an extent in uh, Harry Potter, uh, where there's themes of breaking the cycle. Mm. And we end on this noble note where the heroes have won and they're poised to start this great new era. But sometimes we get no answers or like in Game of Thrones, we get like a tiny hint Mm. of what the new answer would be. But I think it's a natural thing for us to be interested in as fans of great, break the cycle. But what next? Yeah. Yeah. And and those are kind of the conversations I want around the table. I'm intrigued by going back to fall uh, the Battle of uh, Endor and the Battle of Jakku. Mon Mothma going, hey, we're gonna we're gonna stand down. You know, we're we're going uh, demilitarization's happening. This and then there's other and then the populace, the centrists, and everything. And some of the kind of them reception. So how is that different? How do the people who've learned Carlos Rican still around? Right, he's been around. He's gonna have some thoughts on that. Uh, Leia might not be around, but a lot of people learned underneath her. And then and then the experiences of the new generation that just went through it and are probably like, hey, we had to live with your shadow and your legacy. And that 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 affected us. Uh, we have some thoughts on that. And we see that reflected a lot, I think, every generation, but especially right now in, in the real world. So those would be some pretty spirited conversations. And who would say, you know, uh, I think we should have a chancellor. No, to hell with your chancellor. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's where it starts to, for me. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it's thrilling storytelling uh, because I'm interested in those big picture ideas and how can you turn those big picture ideas into uh, thematic uh, ideas that are carried by specific individuals so, so they are as thrilling as they are. And then I think, you know, we don't need to dwell on it, but I think a part of the reason we sometimes don't get that kind of storytelling is the mirrors to real life ideas of what is the best way to, to govern ourselves 
start to emerge really, really fast. And I think sometimes, yeah. I mean, like George R. R. Martin is obviously somebody who is like, you know, Game of Thrones comes about because like eh, Tolkien should have been more real world, right? So he's not as is uh, shy about those ideas. But something like Star Wars, you know, Lucas certainly isn't uh, in the prequels. But I think that's uh, an interesting part of the challenge of how do you have that conversation without it starting to really mirror real life discussions. Real fast. <laughs> real fast. Real fast. Um, and at the risk of that, just a slight risk, uh, for me, I think even uh, besides the, okay, we, we need a new form of government, what's it going to be? A couple of the storytelling things that excite me is if the story that the galaxy is telling itself about the Battle of Exegol is we all came together, we heard these stories of these incredibly brave people, these uh, sparks uh, that were going to lead to the fire that was going to burn down the First Order. Uh, and and thank, thanks to, to Leia and Luke and Han and Poe and Finn and Lando for being the sparks and Ray, obviously, and, and Rose and, and, and uh, Paige and, and all these stories that got to be reverberating out. Um, and all the people came to Exegol. If that is just like this solid start where everybody could say, look what we did when we came together. Look what we did when we didn't say it was somebody else's responsibility when we didn't look to uh the new republic we didn't look to chancellor Villachem or you know the the jedi uh and we did this how can we hold this unity together is a really fascinating just sort of philosophical and storytelling starting starting point for me absolutely because it, it pays off what i think is one of the great things about rise of skywalker you and i have really uh, talked about that and heralded that and celebrated a, a victory of the people. That Admiral Gris line is is a big, uh, important line for a lot of people, myself included, you included. Yeah, and so to have is that the first kind of speech a Poe Dameron makes? Like, look, uh, you know, look what we did. Look what we did. We we can keep that. We can keep that going forward. But then uh, one planet goes, ah, great, but we'd like to have uh, planet uh, planet rights. You know, we'll take care <laughs> of ourselves. You know, and 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 I think that would happen. And I'm not just being cynical. I just I think that would be be where the conflict would would spring up in the days, weeks, and and months, and space years right after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I think that's what makes it uh, such a challenging and fascinating conversation in in storytelling. Um, the other thing that jumped out to me uh, for storytelling right a- after this is I think there's a lot of storytelling to be mined from that in this short time between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Um, and as we learned in some of the books, First Order had presence on planets, you know, even before uh, the events of Force Awakens. I think there's stories to be told about the First Order just sucking up resources, destroying supply lines, and just kind of making a mess of the galaxy. And that there would be a lot of uh, great stories of humanitarian relief in sort of little bits of, uh, this system used to trade with this system and how can we rebuild that? And this planet is falling apart because the first order raided everything they needed to live. And there's a lot of just sort of, uh, I don't know, it's similar to what's going on in all the storytelling between Battle of Endor and Battle of Jakku, that there's some similar storytelling to be told here. I love what you're pitching of this idea. I just go into the resistance uh, episode, which is a more just overt direct look of, you know, the planets cored out or destroyed because the first order was trying to start killer base. But now you take that down to the base level, the resources, we hear Rose's story of her home planet, right? They mine yeah. resources and then shell dust to test their weapons. Like that's all around the galaxy on a different level than the empire, because the empire you had, the you might've 
been tricked into thinking it was just, hey, no, Karelia is going great. Have you been there? Nah, no, nah, but I <laughs> mean, produce industry's great. So first order, it, it, it's now you're kind of untangling the web now that the war is over and people are starting to believe. And a lot of it was done in the shadows of the galaxy or the, on, on literally the, the outer reaches, so to speak. I, I think it would be fun, fun. Well, it would be, you know, that'd be part of it indeed. You'd, you'd need your new teenage Leia going around trying to help people in the galaxy. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's thrilling to me about it is I think that is the perspective of our heroes and this perspective of the Jedi is, you know, in going back to Anakin quoting Shmi back to her, her <laughs> that the problem is nobody helps each other and that a lot of adventures could just be about, yeah, the First Order just smashed and grabbed and people are in desperate need and let's go help people. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on that one before we move on to talking about the government a little bit? Let's talk about the government. All right. Uh, so who do you think rebuilds the government? And and just to even put a more personal spin on it, if you, Ken Napsok, with uh, an apostrophe in your name, were a character, Ken Napsok, in the Star Wars galaxy, you were in the Resistance and you were on the ground when that party ends on Agent Claus and somebody's like, so who's in charge? Who are you voting for? Who are you getting up on a Star Wars soapbox and going, this should be our next leader? Yeah, I, I got a list of candidates, all right? Now, I'll say first, uh, I, I actually have put Jana down, but I, I think there's some uh, uh, more important and perhaps more emotional use for that character in other stories. But she she's a leader, right? She had a little community going around her, and she's got some experiences. She's, yeah. she, she's an outside candidate for me. But I'm going to some main ones. One that you put in my head, sir, and probably is on your list, Larma Dacey. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I was watching Last Jedi last night, and it's like, yeah, She's she's learned from the best, but she also hasn't just learned. She can teach you something too, and she has a lot of experiences. And she has a calm about her and a and a warm heart. But she can be strong when she needs to be. I'm going there. I, Rose Tico. I think there's some other things I've, I, ideas I have, but Rose Tico is the one who could uh, uh, take her experiences that are both in war, but in the uh, engineering rooms and. Uh, and a personal experience of overcoming the First Order. If you're looking for someone to vote for and has a good speech and a good story, she's it. Poe Dameron is bound to come up. Uh, he's been groomed by Leia. Has he reached the point where he wants to truly lead beyond what's going on here? Uh, he definitely would have support. But here's my, and he might be the answer, right, I, if, if I'm cast out a vote. But here's an outside-the-box one for me. Captain... <laughs> Claude, you got that election going. <laughs> Captain Emmanuel Doza. Ooh, okay. Okay. You came to play. I came to play. Um, yeah. Got a little bit of military background. So he's like an Eisenhower post-war kind of president. <laughs> we I know it's a real real world connection. Um, but that might get uh, uh, uh that might get the support from a lot of folks who were boots on the ground or, or, or uh, you know, pilots in the air and the sky and the space. But also, what did he do with uh, in resistance? He ran a city. He ran a community. And I think in the end of the day, proved to be a real smart, compassionate, brave, uh, compelling choice as a leader. Oh, that is such a great choice. And I, I do think that is a place where we get to see a ton of civic leadership, right? Because he's not just like captain of the ship. He's mayor of the city, right? And we get to see him, especially in that second season, really wrestle with, I need to balance our need to be proactive with my responsibility to protect everyone here. 
And that is like, that's great leadership skills. And you could see him constantly uh, weighing those things and, and what he personally needed and wanted versus what was best for the people of uh, the Colossus. Uh, so he's a great choice. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for myself, I mean, you kind of touched on them. I think one of the most intriguing things to me is I I think Poe is a natural leader because he is uh, charming. He's a great speaker. He does just have a natural leadership instinct. I always get the sense that it's not his first choice. So I love this picture of people coming to Poe and going, I know this. I know you want to go, you know, restart all of the, uh, <laughs> you know, racing games across the galaxy. I know you want to go to Malastare and restart those pod races and make them legal. And that's what you want to do. <laughs> but yeah. what you need to do is you have this power, just like Jedi, you know, have the force, which is a, you know, a, a, a gift and a responsibility. You have this skill that not everybody has. And it is your responsibility to use it right now when the galaxy needs it. They need a charming, thoughtful uh, person to gather around. So if I was pitching something, I'd be like, okay, Poe is definitely the, he is the face of the leadership. He is the great communicator. Uh, but yes, Larma Dacey has to be the, uh, the secretary of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean that in secretary of state, not like secretary note taking kind of secretary. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean like Larma Dacey is the one who's like, I know absolutely everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I will help prop you up Poe and then when your term is up I will step up and I will be in charge once everybody knows me and trusts me yeah and if there's a, pre- a, a, a planet having some eh, you know we'll think she can go there and meet with them and it'll be strong you'll know her place but she's also going to be understanding compassion I think she's a great choice to actually kind of be the hand of the king yeah yeah and then become the uh the queen of the galaxy not the not the queen but maybe if it's a uh, democratic like on Naboo yeah Naboo yeah yeah, I think one of the one of those just small sentences, uh, paragraphs maybe in a book that means so much to me for Star Wars is that discussion in Bloodline that the New Republic formed and it, it had all these really incredibly well-intentioned ideas like, um, you know, disarming and, and trying to balance that. We are all united and we are lifting each other up, but we also respect all of these planets' independence. You, you do your thing. Uh, but we'd come together for the common good uh, when we need to. And all of that worked for a real long time because Mon Mothma is a great leader with great personality. Everybody trusts her. And this one person can hold it together for a while. And I love that just one paragraph that explains this huge expanse of Star Wars history. And like when Mon Mothma steps down, all of these factions emerge and all these tensions emerge. And I, I have to think that there's got knowledge in the galaxy, right? And in the resistance camp of, we need a Mon Mothma to start. Mm. And we need somebody to really hold this together. Yeah, yeah. I'm still looking at you, Poe. I mean, yeah. my, my vote, vote might be Doza. But, but you're right. I, 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 think, I think he'd feel a real burden. I think he'd feel a response. I mean, in a good way, and a responsibility to go forward. But yeah, it, it, it would still continue to be a challenge. Yeah, well, and maybe, maybe I, I'm going back to some of my uh, classes I took in college. Uh, in, in my, I had a double minor, and one of the minors was in rhetoric. Uh, and uh. It, there uh, took a bunch of classes about you know modern communication, and it it is about that idea of uh, having a leader who is more of a facilitator, um, who doesn't actually make decisions, but makes sure that decisions get made. So 
since Poe gets left off as when we see him in Rise of Skywalker, he has this epiphany of what he needs best to lead is to do it as a team. And he needs Finn to be a co-leader. So I could see Poe going, all right, I'll be the facilitator. There'll be a council of seven or whatever. And I'll be the guy who says, hey, at the end of this meeting, we need to have a decision and I'll cast my vote. So it's more of a facilitator than a leader. So that uh, from my college rhetoric class, uh, I know this works because I implemented it in my improv group that was fighting and said, (laughs) I'm not, I want to be in charge of this rehearsal, not to make a decision, but to make sure that all of us at the end of the rehearsal come to a decision. (laughs) Uh, And it worked out well. Yep. Absolutely. I like that. It's a good, that's my argument. If it works for my improv group, uh, (laughs) many years ago, it can work for the entire galaxy. It worked for my own experiences as well. You know, I'll, at the end of the day, it falls on me, but we're all going to work together towards this goal. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, we got the whole government figured out, Ken. Yeah. Easy. 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 Huh. <laughs> uh, moving on to some other big picture stuff. What would you want to see happen with uh, the remnants of the First Order, uh, if there are any, or if just everyone across the galaxy uh, managed to hold a maneuver and just <laughs> decimated? <laughs> everything uh but what do you think about that do you think there are survivors prisoners uh remnants uh first order officers who are and soldiers who are running for their lives what do you think that story is and and what do you want it to be for those uh survivors those remnants yeah this is this is really interesting to me though it might i don't know it might be a a real deep kind of thinking star wars book as opposed to the disney plus series but of the rehabilitation of the first order but I don't want them tossed into the corner of a galaxy and hoping they keep to the agreement. Uh, and I'm trying to deal with this in real world or not real, real like the, the Star Wars story, because kind of for lack of um, details, but kind of uh, what happened post fall of the Empire, Galactic Concordance, Masamita, all that kind of stuff. And that kind of maybe led to some. I'm not, not talking about Ray Sloan and everyone in the unknown regions. I'm just talking about those that left left behind. And then we see in storytelling uh, that we're already getting Moff Gideon and others kind of racing to fill the vacuum of power or feel like they're still in control five years after. Um, I want to try to avoid that, but how to deal with that? I don't know. Prisoners. I don't know, but here's, as we know, what's interesting, Finn, Jenna, we have an entire army, mostly made up of people who didn't have this choice. They might've had the choice to stay along the way, but even then it wasn't, they weren't programmed to think they had that choice. We, we, we've seen that. So could Jana, we got Lando and Jana, put a pin in that uh, story there, but even Finn, and he's got some other things to do as well. But Finn and Jana kind of leading a stormtrooper rehabilitation movement that I'm sure, by the way, would fa- face opposition, that there'd be some, Vober Dan would be like, no, <laughs> no. Right. They wouldn't do it. I fought in those wars. I was there. I wouldn't do it. And yeah. that would be an interesting story too, because- it is, it's different than, I don't know, if, this, if the Stormtroopers did remain clones in the Galactic Civil War, right? We know that's, no, that's not the case. At one point, you kind of, maybe we all thought that was the case following the prequels, right? I think um, the idea that, that uh, it is um, different, uh, you know, this time around, that a lot of them didn't have the choice, then you have a real interesting ability to go into that side of it. Yeah, no, I I agree. And it's one of the things that keeps emerging uh, in, in the difference between the Empire and the First Order, the idea that the Empire slowly eroded 
uh, the Galactic Republic uh, with, you know, uh, a lot of propaganda versus the First Order being smash and grab um, up to the way the the armies were built. And this knowledge from two heroes of the Resistance and two heroes of the Battle of Exegol, Finn and Janna, like a bunch of these people didn't have a choice. And the majority of these people didn't have a choice. They were kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we reach out in the spirit of the light side, in the spirit of kindness and acceptance and community and forgiveness and redemption and all of these values that led us to victory. We weren't fighting what we hate. We're saving what we love. Let's go out there and let's see who, if at all possible, can be reformed, can be rescued, can be brought into uh, into our community, our big galactic community. I think that's that would be a great story. I would love that. I, again, I think you're right. I think that's a little bit more of a, a book so you can really dive into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I certainly don't think that is, you know, the, the next big Star Wars film, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the rescuing of the First Order remnants. Um, but I think that that just feels right to me and makes me happy to celebrate uh, the themes of the whole Skywalker saga. But in particular, the journey and the victory of the main heroes of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Finn would have some good filibusting on the, on the, on the floor. Oh yeah. Cause Finn is a good leader too. Uh, and I think, yeah, he would absolutely be able to lead, lead that charge. Uh, and I think the first place you gotta go is to the forest moon of Endor. Cause I think <laughs> if there are any first order troops down there, they, you, they're going to be eaten. Gotta go there first. <laughs> first. <laughs> Uh, moving on to another idea. So the Sith are gone, uh, we think. Uh, but do you think there's a huge explosion in crime in the galaxy? Uh, obviously, you know, we have a lot of storytelling that the New Republic, you know, probably cracked down on a lot of the rampant crime that the Empire was allowing and encouraging and profiting from. Uh, but there's still uh, crime going on. Do you think uh, whatever remains of the Huts and uh, the Guavian Death Gang and whatever else is uh, out there, do you think they are going like, Great. Nice, uh, nice little war you had. Congrats on the Battle of Exegol. Now we're going to move into the void and gobble up all the resources. I think, yeah, Kanja Club on the move, making moves in memory of Kanji <laughs> Absolutely. And I always say, like, in, in, you know, talking about the Kenobi series possibilities or even was a movie, it's always, I was always like, I don't want it just to be pirates trying to get water, you know, like, or something small like that. That could be very interesting the tension of Kenobi, you know, not revealing who he is when he knows he could win the day quite easily. That's great. I don't want that kind of stuff, but this time around, I'm, I'm really interested in this and opportunist. Cause again, I, this isn't just being cynical. It's just, it's just the nature of, of these living beings in the galaxy. There absolutely is probably a group out there right now going awesome. Everyone's focused on this. There's no government. The war's over. Hell, maybe we even helped, you know, Sidonathano is seen uh, at the end, right? Celebrating. He's part yes, of it. He history. is. So I think he, to me, the, the, you know, the, the Crimson Corsair has changed his heart for good, but there's probably others who are like, great, good. I did that. Now I'm going to go get mines. And I think that would be for at least a year or two after a concern of the new, new Republic, because many probably understood, you know, they'd be like, Hey, let me tell you the tale of Din Djarin and a child. <laughs> uh, and, and there was some stuff going on. There's some still five years after we still had uh, crime and crime lords and all these kind of things. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. That in some ways, that's the thing that 
if you want to try to tell a story of heroes who are trying to lead with compassion, they don't want war, they want to defend people, they want to help people, their priority is, hey, let's let's find people who are kidnapped to be a part of the First Order and let them know they don't need to go down that path anymore. And uh, there's humanitarian crisis on planet after planet because it was ravaged. That's what we want to do. But, oh boy, here we go, the syndicate wars. Like, if you wanted to tell an exciting Star Wars story uh, that had morality at its heart but a lot of the fun action... Uh, this idea of a bunch of different syndicates kind of reemerging in power, mm-hmm. a level of power they haven't had in decades in trying to gobble up the resources while the uh, while the Poe Doza <laughs> Dassey government's trying to get it on its feet. That would be really exciting. I think, yeah, I think because it, it would be bigger scale than what I've kind of been maybe opposed to in the past is, is the point of that whole ramble I had of just like, them looking around going, no, there is a vacuum of power. There's resources to be had. Here's our chance. Guavian Death Gang version 2.0. Let's go get it. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it, it would have big implications and you have to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. That would be exciting to me. Um, how are you feeling about the Sith? Do you feel like the Sith are... I mean, I think the spirit of Rise of Skywalker is that this is where the heart of the cultists were. This is the home planet of the Sith, uh, that there's a true stopping of the line of Sith. But do you, do you like the idea that there's still random cultists out there? I mean, there are some Sith Eternal on some <laughs> grocery runs. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about other other Sith uh, still being present? Uh, Darksiders yeah. are always going to be present because the dark side is always going to be present. It's always going to call to people. But the Sith in particular, how do you feel about that? Uh, is it like the Donald uh, Glover uh, community a gif where he walks back in with the pizza and the room's on fire. <laughs> hey guys, like, oh, what's going on here? Brought some um, pizza back to Exegol. Oh no. <laughs> I think you have to kind of honor what they were trying to tell and what I think they succeeded telling in episode nine, which is of all, you know, Sith versus Jedi. Here's kind of the final chapter in that story. I, for me, it, it, I think you need to kind of keep it there, but it realistically, yeah, there, there, there could be there. I, so I guess my quick answer, yeah, no more Sith. I'd be okay with no more Sith. But you're you're going to expunge all the records of the Sith? <laughs> are, are you not going to have a young kid feeling the power of the dark side pick up some old books or stumble onto something and go, what is this thing? Who's Darth Bane? <laughs> uh, who is, you know, is yeah. the, the history is there. I don't want, if, if we're actually telling these stories, Number one, I don't want to use on Vonk. Hey. Uh, and I don't want to totally just lather, rinse, repeat, the Sith rise up again and the Jedi must meet them. I'm not saying that wouldn't be interesting if it was done right. Yeah. But I am intrigued by what you're talking about. The dark side does exist. The dark side is not going away, just like the light side's not going away. And there's a lot of different names for it. A Sith is a certain organization. Jedi, a certain organization. But there's other users out there or there's other forces out there all right, now I've got, uh, you got something cooking. Yeah, something to always be mindful of and be, be prepared to be the Jedi and be the, the shield against the darkness and, and keep that balance. Uh, you brought up a thing that's an excellent segue into my final question about people's knowledge of the Sith. Like, you know, it's been a mysterious thing for a while. Then we get this broadcast uh, from Palpatine. It's like, yep, no, I'm not. There's, there's no propaganda. I just, yep, yep, mm-hmm. you got me. I'm a Sith Lord. <laughs> I know most of you think that's a rumor, but 
uh, I, I am a Sith Lord. I'm the best Sith Lord ever, and uh, you will all bow down to me, or I will destroy you all. Uh, that that's my radio broadcast. Thanks. Good night from Palpatine. Uh, so the sequel trilogy really dealt with this idea of our new generation explicitly knows of the old generation as legends. Uh, Ray thinks Han is or Luke is literally a myth, right? Um, mm-hmm. She meets Han Solo and they clearly know some things about him. There's been a little bit of a telephone game of who he is. Is he the smuggler? Is he the war hero? How many parsecs was it? Uh, these characters live in legend. And our characters, our new characters, Ray and Finn and Poe, are really, really aware of that. And they understand the importance of that. Do you think that our characters might know that there is a power and a responsibility in storytelling and that they would make an effort to go tell the story and have that be a part of what changes the, you know, we, we broke the cycle. What needs to be different? People need to know the stories. They need to know the real stories. We're going to go out and tell them. I think it could be part of even the campaign for whatever's going to come next. Uh, and maybe that is part of the part of even maybe Ray's journey. We'll come into some of the specific stuff later. But yeah, I think I think what you're saying is they they know how some of that stuff got messed messed with. I mean, let's you know, uh, Leia and and being waylaid politically because the revelation of Vader uh, being her father can, comes late in the game, right? And, and if that had been dealt with a little differently, if they could have, I don't know. Um, yeah, then I think it, it changes the way the thirty years between uh, Return of the Jedi and and Force Awakens go for our characters. So yeah, I think this time around. I'm not saying Ray, Poe, and Finn have to go around on a press tour around the galaxy <laughs> of, of how we won the day and, and what really happened, but I think some better communication would be important. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm really interested in that, and I know it might not sound exciting to some people, but I would love just a story of the storytellers and have that be have them recognize the weight and power of it, and maybe that is a, a part of Ray's mission that is just a small thing that where she goes, she tells the the story, but there might be an acknowledgement of, yeah, you know, we, we need humanitarian relief. We need to help out the first order, you know, children who are kidnapped. And also we need to make sure unlike the other wars, that there aren't rumors, there aren't lies and deceptions for the dark side to grow in. What destroys the dark is the light in the light of the truth of the Sith are real. They have been real. Here's what really happened during the Clone Wars. Here's what really happened during the Galactic Civil War. You're going to hear all sorts of different stories about and rumors about the Resistance and the First Order and who the First Order was and who was Snoke, who was, who was Kylo. We are going to let it all out into the light, and we are going to make sure that, you know, if some kid stumbles on a Sith mask somewhere, they know exactly who the Sith are. They know exactly what they've done. They're not scary uh, shadows. Mm-hmm. They're scared, frightened people who made terrible choices and caused pain, and they're nothing to be looked up to. I know that mask looks cool. It looks mysterious. Yeah. And I know you heard rumors, and maybe this, maybe that, but here's the truth, and here's here's how we won, you know? Here was our philosophy on the other side of that, and that's how we got to this place. Yeah, it would be the the Ransom Castrofo bloodlines movement to uh, let's <laughs> let's make sure... All the new senators coming up know that cool Sith, uh, ex- uh, Sith Eternal uh, robe you picked up at the gift shop is uh, here's what it meant, meant and here's what who wore it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Don't go around the galaxy collecting husks of old uh, Snoke clones if such a thing exists. <laughs> Put them up. See my uh, Snoke collection in here? <laughs> yeah, no, and, and the story could, you could, uh, I, I decree that R2 is in charge of this. Uh, you know, fill in the details for those uh, months where he was on low power, years actually. You know, you know what I mean? Like, tell, this, tell the story of Star Wars to those in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, and there's something about it to me that the the it, Star Wars always the Skywalker saga in particular has that feeling of of being storytelling because of a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, but it's so explicit in the sequel trilogy the importance of uh, myths and stories and just the importance of the past and how it affects the future. So I really love this idea of just a really like. Yeah, I know the Jedi and the Sith are weird, (laughs) Uh, and not everybody believes it, but we need to have a better galactic education curriculum on Jedi and Sith. Yeah, and I I, yeah, I I think the citizens, the denizens of this galaxy, would be more open to it because suddenly there were star destroyers above their planets with cannons destroying them like you know what I mean? <laughs> right right they've experienced time. it recently yeah but it's really important like you know what that is you, do yeah. you that was an evil wizard <laughs> yeah that was an evil wizard not like someone who who wanted to uh keep the trains running on time yeah yeah uh that that's what i'm arguing for the uh the storytelling institute of oniho zaya who <laughs> told the story of jedi master luke skywalker more of that uh, all right. Any other thoughts on kind of big picture storytelling before we take our break and move into specific character stories? No, I, I'm just having fun. I just there's this is some real nuts and bolts down on the ground in the dirt kind of reestablishing the galaxy, which is interesting to me because I I think there's a great point you made about, hey, uh, you know, at the end of Return of the Jedi, that Ewok party was about restoring uh, what had become before and the good times. Uh, before the dark times, and people might have remembered that, and and this is this is different. That's what uh, Rise of Skywalker really uh, really drove home in the end. This is the victory of the people, not just a military. So now you have a new a new chance to build something uh, completely different. That is right. And on the uh, second half of the podcast, after this quick break, we are going to build some stories in our minds about the possibilities of adventures for all of those individual characters from the sequel trilogy. All that in just a moment. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Four Center friends. Make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, 
and special programming all there for you and more shows on the way. It's Forsen on YouTube. Check it out. back to talk the rebirth of the republic in theory what kind of stories would we want to see happen after the rise of skywalker we're going to dive into specific characters so ken uh let's start with uh ray ray skywalker what adventures do you think ray skywalker has what kind of jedi philosophy does she practice what gets you excited about future ray storytelling there's a lot to tell with this character and you know we get to do get to see her after the events right i mean going back to tatooine bearing the sabers to me that's post battle of exegol content absolutely i'm gonna take that spirit and say for a while i know the big thing the big question we're gonna answer here in a second i know what everyone wants her to do but i want ray who was at one point ray from nowhere like literally jakku nowhere and didn't get off that island uh, of that planet so much I want her to go take a vacation. <laughs> I want her to get in the Falcon, grab BB-8, maybe Chewie. Well, we got some thoughts about Chewie, uh, what he might be doing. And and I just want her to go see the galaxy, see the world, and, and, and kind of do what Luke did a little bit, what we've learned as much as we have learned about Luke. His was a little more specific. All right, I'm a Jedi now, but what does that mean? And what's out there and relics and this and that. I don't even need her to do that. Because she has the text. She knows a little bit more than uh, about what it means to be a Jedi or what are the Jedi than maybe even Luke did. Maybe, maybe. Um, so that's, I, honestly, the, the, the traveling adventures of Rey, formerly from nowhere, now Skywalker. Give me that. Give me that. And then we can get into bigger, deeper, serious stuff. Yeah, no, I like a lot of what you're saying, and I think there's something about the the Jedi journey that Rey has been on that has this great rhythm with what went on with uh, the Republic of, you know, in the original trilogy, it was the, the Republic has been lost. And now after uh, Return of the Jedi, Ewok Party, Battle of Jakku, now we're restoring the Republic. And Luke is on that same journey of something that existed that was great has been lost. It has been, you know, uh, uh, diminished by the Sith ruling the galaxy and hiding the truth of the Jedi. So I have to go refine and rebuild this great thing of the past. I think Rey is in this different place where, yeah, she has the books. She spent time with the last Jedi Master, uh, Luke Skywalker. She's got her own experiences. And for her, there's a little bit of a clean slate, too, of like, what are the Jedi? Uh, obviously, they failed. They made some mistakes, as uh, my master, Luke Skywalker, made very clear his opinions on. Yeah. But he also made his clear his opinions on, but they are necessary. They need to go on. They do good in it. This power is a... Uh, is a responsibility and it's a responsibility to use it to help people to do good. So how do I go forward with that? So it, to me, it, it is, she's so poised to go forward with her uh, cool yellow lightsaber rather than to just look backward. And I think in the way that Luke was initially of going, I have to restore something that used to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just think of it as a, as a real cool Netflix travel channel. It could be a Disney book, <laughs> race sees the galaxy. Daisy, you want to, you don't want to do that. Yeah. We're not necessarily pitching you know, content here. We're pitching the story as if it were real and unfolds in front of us. Um, you know, seeing her at, on Pasana at, at the Festival of the Ancestors and looking at the children, uh, the Aki Aki children, and just the joy on her face, the joy in her face as uh, for that split second when she puts her hand out and it's raining on Octo, like all those kind of, you know, Takadana just landed. 
I want her to get to experience that. She has been around the galaxy between uh, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. We know that. I know that, but it was under real different circumstances. So start there, and then she can maybe see how the galaxy views the Force Jedi. Uh, not that she's going around taking a sample survey. But <laughs> she might, yeah. It might be about seeing what does the galaxy need from the Jedi. Yeah, that's a that's a such a great idea to start from that place of openness of what how if the Jedi are meant to help, if the Jedi are meant to, you know, not fight what we hate, but just save what we love, what do people need? And, you know, is that something that I can provide? I love your idea of, yeah, she she's seen the galaxy. She's seen some cool planets as she runs from blaster fire, you know, and tries not uh, to be captured and have her friends killed and all those kind of things. But I really like this idea that. Tatooine and the Lars homestead is not the only place she's been. I like to think that she's really been on this reflective pilgrimage, you know, and that she's been to uh, the remains of Alderaan. You know, she has been to uh, Ben's birthplace. Maybe she's been to Corellia um, herself. You know, maybe she's seen uh, all of these different places that uh, tied back to her mentors and to, to Ben Solo and she's picked the Lars homestead of all these places that this is what feels right um, to have this respectful burial of the past. Um, and then she's heading on to the future. So I feel like I like that idea that she's she's doing a little bit of what you're seeing. She's kind of it's very spiritual and it's a process for her, but it's a little bit of a very emotional sightseeing of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in terms of just like immediate Jedi philosophy she practices, I, I think there's this great energy with um, the storytelling about Ahsoka of I feel like she would really start with, hey, I'm going around. Does anybody need help? And we know that she was already like this with BB-8. Mm-hmm. She didn't need that's. I love that that's her, uh, how we meet her is she, she could have just let Tito take BB-8, but she didn't like seeing this vulnerable person being bullied and taken advantage of. Uh, and that comes from her own life experience as well as Jedi philosophy. So I think she would go around the world and or go around the galaxy and, you know, go to places like you're saying, the Akiaki Festival and just, hey, if anybody is giving a young, vulnerable person a hard time, uh, that yellow lightsaber is getting ignited and she's going to be the shield to protect them. Yeah, because I, I think she's going to, has the potential, maybe if she wants to build a new kind of what I'm calling enlightened Jedi. If you've ever had an enlightened ice cream, it's just slightly healthy, but so you have more, so it ends up being unhealthy. Um, no, but that, that, you know, she would go like, again, go. I love that you brought in the Ahsoka stuff of just going around. What is the core? What does it mean to be a Jedi? And then going around and asking and seeing where she's needed versus, I'm not saying the Jedi did this. You and I believe in justice for the Jedi overall. Just like, hey, you know, they didn't, they weren't all bad there. They didn't, they failed at the end. All those kind of bigger, deeper philosophical conversations we've had about the Jedi. But her going around and just going, I'm not going to ignite my saber and impose my will on you here. I'm not even going to get involved if you don't want. I'll trust him your food. Tell me what's going on. What do you need out of me? That'd be not great Disney Plus content, maybe. I'd, I'd watch it. <laughs> But you know what I mean? That'd be key to her story, her development. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that would be super awesome. I, I can also see a world where, you know, she feels a responsibility to help rebuild. So there is a, um, you know, there's that great, the great storytelling at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker where she was, you know, afraid of herself and still learning her abilities. And I think even a concern of like, you know, how am I going to handle facing uh, Kylo and, and all sorts of things holding her back. Um, and she's so free of that now, right? that I think there'd be this great 
I, I could imagine a great scene between her and Poe if if Poe is at least for now nominally in charge of the government of her saying like, you know, you were right. I, I, I shouldn't have hung back so much back on Agent Kloss, but it's a different time now. Where where am I needed? You're helping organize all this humanitarian relief. You're helping. Uh, there's a cell of first order zealots who aren't backing down. Where do you need me to go to help? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's just, it, she, she seems so on that trajectory more than anything to just help. Um, the big question with Ray uh, is, uh, do you want her to start a new Jedi school? I do, eventually. Eventually. When there's a good framework for it. Uh, and, and, and we'll jump ahead. We're going to come back to him, of course. But, uh, you know, Finn may, might have something to say about that or something <laughs> to offer and, and add to that conversation. So I think, yeah, I do. I want it to be completely different. Uh, you and I don't believe in Grey Jedi. We we don't think that aligns with the core of Star Wars and in Star Wars uh, and Lucas's thoughts on good and evil and the Jedi. But like I said, this enlightened sense of understanding the the importance of attachments or where they can go wrong, just having a bigger picture. Uh, you know, maybe it it's definitely not her and Finn going around the galaxy taking kids. <laughs> nope. Uh, uh, maybe now it's like, Hey, we're offering this service. Uh, do you want to, do you want this? Now I, under, I, I do understand that they might have to go identify, uh, some force sensitive children who maybe uh, come from planets where they can't afford to fly them out to raise school for enlightened Jedi. Maybe there, so there's some thought there, but just having that chance again, like we said with the government to go, we don't like, like you keep saying, Joseph, we don't have to just restore what was before we can keep the spirit of it. We can uh, look past those old books and those old texts like Yoda told Luke. And, and, and here's our chance to do it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's so great that that Ray poured through them and found what what was valuable. And maybe there is stuff in those books that's uh, valuable that had been kind of lost or, you know, corroded over time from the, you know, the Jedi Order that we know that she's going like, oh, wow, this idea that they started with was really solid. Let me, you know, reuse that and and try to. Uh, make sure that it doesn't, you know, erode over time uh, this time around. Um, yeah, I, I like the idea, this instinct that you seem to have, Ken, of like, not not immediately. At first, she would feel it out. Um, and I love the idea that, uh, again, just to use Aki Aki Festival as an example, that she would, you know, go back to the Aki Aki and say, hey, um, if Nambigima or any other Aki Aki children start throwing rocks with their minds uh, and you don't know what that's about and you'd like some help, you know, Here's how to contact me, you know, and <laughs> my card, you know, if you don't know what to like, not the we are searching them out because they should join our order. But I think that they're that's so Ray to want to help people. And especially now that she has been through this journey and knows how confusing and frightening it can be to know that you have this power and not know what to do with it, that she would want to almost um, build community and build connection and say, if you have these powers and you don't know what to do with them. I would be more than happy to try to help you. And I'm interested to see how you could build a Jedi school from the philosophy of not building an army or not building an arm of the government, but teaching people what these powers are and what your responsibility with them is from, from her Jedi perspective. Mm. And another part of Ray's storytelling that I love in the sequel trilogy is Ray never abandons emotion. And I think that's one of the great criticisms that gets acted out in the prequel trilogy era 
that Jedi in the way in a way give in to their fear. They know that that acting on emotions can be dangerous, so they become almost afraid of emotions. And I think Ray is somebody who realizes the power and the wonder of emotions. So I think her Jedi school would teach you to embrace your emotions so that you can better deal with them. And that way you should always, always do is if you're afraid of something, confront it. Like that's so the lesson that Ray learned in her own path and explicitly from Luke. I would think those would be like some of the tenets of emotions aren't bad. What we choose to do with them can be. And if you're afraid of something, don't bury it, deal with it. And then also here's how to kick ass with a lightsaber. Yeah, and I love what you're saying too. This idea of, uh, I, I first of all, I think Ray would have some vested interest and definitely have some opinions on how the government's reformed. If she'd probably want in on those conversations too. Uh, me saying she gets a vacation just as I think she really deserves one, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, they all do, but she deserves one. Um, but I would love that as the government, whatever the form of government is, it starts to rebuild and reform or become something different. And, and she's maybe part of that with the Jedi order or whatever that is there, there'll probably be some sort of conversation of her. Maybe believing we will never be generals in your army. Is that clear? But we believe we have a responsibility to help the galaxy and, and, and a fine line and some, and maybe there's some examples of, you know, where that's challenged. I don't know. Again, not pitching a tight Disney plus show, just talking <laughs> or rolling forward. I, yeah. I would love to see those conversations. Yeah, that would be great. It'd be like, you can ask us for our help and then we'll decide if we think it's right, which I think is the way, you know, the story, the relationship between the Galactic Republic and the old Jedi started and yeah. then, you know, corroded a little bit and then very specifically was uh, targeted by Palpatine. So I think her being a student of all that, probably she's really mindful of like, yeah, no, we'll, you can ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can call the Jedi hotline and we will see. Mm-hmm. If we will do that. But uh, yeah, my last thing to just underline again is I think Ray is so, so knows the trauma of being alone and feeling alone. And, the, you know, the way she reaches out to BB-8 and the way she and Finn connect and, and Dio that I think she would see Jedi School as the possibility for community and the mm-hmm. possibility of getting to build community and be responsible for giving people who might otherwise feel alone a place to feel they are not alone um, really makes sense to me. I like that. So uh, let's talk about Ben Solo. Do you want to see the story of Ben Solo continued in any way, even if it's about wrestling with the shadow of Kylo Ren? Um, And I'm not even saying, like, do do you think he should have lived? But uh, there's obviously precedent for his spirit living on. Uh, Ray has a strong uh, connection to Ben. Obviously, they were a dyad. Maybe there's something different there. With any of those elements, do you want to see his story continued? Yeah, I do. Uh, whether or not they have the first Star Wars, uh, uh, you know, dating relationship that involves another plane of existence, uh, you know, maybe. Um, <laughs> so you're dating a force spirit, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, some some sort of communication with them would be interesting. But in terms of just finishing and, like you said, wrestling with the shadow of Kylo Ren, goes back to a little bit what we we're talking about before. I think you untangle that myth and and make it the opposite approach of Vader. Anakin, which was a secret that was played played co- close to the chest, I think with some good reason if you really stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Post-Endor, maybe post-Jakku, do you want to then hold a press conference where like, hi, I'm Luke, I'm Leia. So our dad was Darth Vader. I don't think you want <laughs> to do that. But if they 
did do that in some way, it wouldn't have come back to haunt Leia later. But again, different conversation. I can go a lot of different directions with it. But I love this. Just do a little bit different here. And 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 speak the truth of who Kylo was, because I think a lot of people might know, you know, um, who he was. Or Senteca, definitely aware. A lot of people plugged into it. And really documenting how, why, including maybe some of the failures of his parents and some of the attempts by his parents uh, in his early life that didn't go the right way. Luke as well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if, he, again, we do this big press tour. We, we're That's what you and I are pitching, episode 10, the press tour to explain everything that's happened. But if you're looking at the story and these characters of what they just went through and what they learned, which includes that 30-plus years between these big events in the galaxy, they, they, yeah. you'd want to say that. I, I think Ray wouldn't keep that too close to the chest. I don't think, I don't think she, but what happened down in Exegol? Oh, I don't know. What happened to Kylo? I don't know. I yeah. She'd want to say it. I think she'd want to let the world know. Yeah. I, I, you know, we kind of joke about, yeah, like, yeah, we're, we're talking about the next uh, chapter of star Wars should be our heroes going around the galaxy with brochures about <laughs> here's what happened in the history. Uh, um, but which can sound like eh, not thrilling, but imagine Ray meeting up with those two kids uh, that we meet in Star Wars Resistance, who are refugees, and they saw, it's implied they saw Kylo Ren yeah. decimate their planet, right? Mm-hmm. And those kids are naturally going to have some fear and some hatred of this mysterious, awful figure. Imagine Ray going to those kids and going, yes, Kylo Ren was a bad, bad person, but here's who he really was, and here's what he did at the end of his life, and like, not getting them to say like it's not bad what Kylo Ren did, but opening the door to the possibility of you know of letting go of that anger mm-hmm. and letting go of that hate that people would naturally have toward Kylo Ren, which it seems like the story with Vader is, yeah, we can't. I mean, people have every right to hate Vader. We can't ask them to see him in this new light right now, uh, but it's interesting to have the idea that Ray might do that for Kylo. Yeah, and then and then going back to the other thing too of just the now now we don't need acolytes of uh, beyond part two going around collecting Kylo uh, gear, right? You, know, you might demystify Kylo. Yeah, you might not be able to stop that, but exactly, exactly, demystify Kylo Ren. Demystify Kylo Ren. Yeah, uh, and as always, you know, I know this is a topic that we have some listeners who are, who feel extremely strongly wish uh, Ben Solo hadn't passed, wish that he had appeared uh, as a Force spirit with Luke and Leia. Uh, this in the relationship between Ben and Ray and how it was handled. I, those are things that people can have really strong opinions about. So as always, we just want to be respectful and acknowledge that there's a, a vast array of opinions around topics like these. Uh, but for myself. Uh, I like the idea that the dyad is something special and that there is perhaps even more of a, a strong bond between uh, Ben and Ray, even though Ben is within the force. Uh, the way we've seen force spirits before it has been, um, it seems like they appear at specific places and at specific times where they are truly the most needed. Uh, you know, Obi-Wan appearing to Luke uh, on Dagobah, uh, not Dagobah, on a Hoth, to tell him about Dagobah is like, well, Luke really needed a way forward on his force training. Uh, I like the idea that Obi-Wan did guide Han there. So that's just one example of that kind of appearing when absolutely necessary. And I am really intrigued without, without going into the sort of jokey territory of, are you dating a, a force spirit? I'm really intrigued of what if they have a little bit more of a bond where they do, where Ben is a little bit more present in Ray's life 
rather than just a mentor who pops up when absolutely necessary. Yeah. Intriguing. Yeah. And it, it, if there could even be, it, it, it can get really complicated really fast. So like you have to handle it uh, is with everything with the Ben and Ray relationship, handle it very thoughtfully and, and mindfully yeah. of are there things that, that uh, maybe Ben knows that he wants to atone for that he could ask that of Ray of like, I know a place that needs help because of what I did to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not asking you to fix my mistakes for me, but if you want to help, this is a place that needs it, you know? Yeah. It could get kind of weird and complicated fast, but I'm intrigued yeah. by it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause Ray is, and I don't want to say that Ray should just be the Kylo Ren cleanup service by any means, no. but uh, intrigued by all those uh, different relationships. Any other thoughts on uh, Ray and the Jedi before we uh, move on? No, no. I hope she gets a good logo and opens up that school and uh, <laughs> well, does well with her business. Yeah. And quality vacation time is a great point, Ken. Quality vacation time. So uh, moving on to somebody else who might uh, have some opinions about Jedi schools, and that is Finn. A uh, big question is always, would you like to see Finn, Finn develop his force powers? Hell yeah. And this is great. I think I think he's a perfect uh, a teacher eventually once he gets a handle of, of what's going on within him and and how to use the powers. I I definitely think it's it's played, you know, it, it's a different kind of connection to the Force in Rise of Skywalker for me. Not 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 different, but just like it, it's it's he's older. He didn't feel he had it. It's a spiritual connection, not just uh, great. I'm ready to go grab my lightsaber and go fight. You know, though he's certainly capable of that. So I definitely want him to get a cool Finn lightsaber. But I, you know what I mean? Like in this new, if we're proposing this new kind of enlightened Jedi and how to recruit, Finn definitely has some opinions on being taken early and programmed certain ways, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so I think he could have, uh, he's a really motiv- motivating guy. He's a really good uh, communicator. You you pointed out uh, when we did the Rise of Skywalker, kind of his theme, his goal, his purpose, you know, be the bond, the the, the connective bond between everybody and, and keep everyone together on the same side. So he'd have a, a real good entry level one oh one Jedi class. <laughs> so you think you have a feeling with Finn. <laughs> Could it but be the force? Yeah. Could it be force? And then again, he would you know, if he's going around the galaxy at all and helping with the stormtrooper real rehabilitation program, I wouldn't want wouldn't that wouldn't want that to distract from his journey as a potential Jedi or force user or, or whatever this new version could be that we're, that we're kind of joking around with here and putting together. So yes, long story short, give him some force powers to develop and give him a class to teach. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, Finn has all these great connections t- to Leia to me. And, and one of them is his story in the sequel trilogy where uh, just like Leia, the third film, you get the promise of uh, who they will become as a master of the force. And Finn, you get that tease, too, of like, oh, who, who will he become when he embraces his full abilities? So I would love to see that story and see Finn use his force powers. You touched on this a little bit as well. What else uh, besides growing and using his own force powers would you want to see Finn do? What do you think would be fulfilling for him? Talked about Ray getting wanting to see the galaxy and getting to see so much that she didn't when she was stuck on Jakku. What would be fulfilling for Finn? I do wonder. I think we're going to touch upon it a little bit with with Lando and Jana, uh, but I do wonder how value would valuable it would be to Finn to to trace where he came from. What are his memories? What does he know? Does he have any memories of of what he was before the First Order took him? 
And does he want to do that? Maybe he doesn't want to do that. Maybe it might be weird to think, eh, there's another life or family out there and I don't want to connect to it. But maybe he doesn't feel it's right or doesn't feel it's it's needed. He's on this journey. He is now. He is Finn, right? Um, I don't know. But I'd be intrigued to see if that's part of his growth and part of uh, him connecting with the galaxy through the force and what he feels. Can he go back to the beginning? Does he find value in that? Does he need to? Is there a yeah. problem comes out of that? Yeah. I think that's really great. The idea of finding his own home or is he extremely motivated to help other first order officers who who could possibly take the path that he and Jenna and company 777 took. I also think there'd be a ton of interesting things to explore in how much he identifies with the idea of being a soldier. Uh, Cause obviously yeah. it wasn't his choice to become a first order uh, soldier but he was, and he was trained that way. And when he came to understand the importance of the resistance and that they weren't just two uh, people who were going to endlessly, two groups who were going to endlessly kill each other, they had very different philosophies. <laughs> and he agreed with the philosophy of the, the resistance and of Leia. But is there, and we talked about this a lot with the Clone Wars, the clones didn't choose this, but now that they're in that life, they have great respect for it. And is there an element of Finn that's like, yeah, I mean, I I want to lead with pacism, path, pacifism, you know, uh, say what you love, don't fight what you hate, but there are going to be threats to our new government, and I want to I lead the army. I want us to have a standing army, and I want us to have the right philosophy that, that that's the last recourse, and it's about defense and all these great things, but I'm a soldier, and I believe in that life. General Finn, I can see that. Yeah, General Finn. Would you be intrigued by that, or would you feel like I've been there, done that? No, I think because I think that's what's great about Finn is that he has a lot of different parts to his story, a lot of different parts to who he is and who he might want to be. And maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants to grow, uh, grow his hair out, grow a big beard, and then backpack across the galaxy with Ray, or go on his own journey. You know, maybe he doesn't want to be a soldier, regimented in any way, shape, or form, or maybe he can bring something new to them. But uh, it's definitely part of who he is. He has he's a lot of levels to him. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a little both. Maybe he go finds himself and finds how to bring his new self into an old job, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's this idea to me, too, of like, yeah, I really want to see uh, what lightsaber would Finn design and, and see him sure. come into his full powers. But there's also this thing to me where it, what if this is his connection to the Force? Is just this incredibly strong and honest intuition. And that would be a really interesting story to just him be like, I, I really hone this power and it's a great guide to where we need to go. What do we need to do is, is, you know, does he say like, Hey, enough of this unknown regions, let's go know them And my ability, my intuition force power is going to really help guide us, uh, in exploring, you know, the unknown, that would be a really cool direction for the character too. Yeah, no, I, I like what you're saying because I, I've always kind of interpreted a little bit of what he's saying about the Force and what he feels. And that conversation with Jenna, um, was it on the Falcon on on, uh, on Kif Beer? Just like, no, it's a feeling, it's a feeling. And that comes up. And, and again, not to say that Jedi Knight Finn isn't something I don't want to see. I'd love to see that. Um, but I always say it was a statement on going even back to Yoda and Dagobah, just describing the force or Luke in the last Jedi. Like you feel that you feel that the Jedi don't own that. It can be for everyone. There are children of destiny. There are characters of destiny in star Wars. That's still present. It's a myth, which is that Finn represents kind of like the force is out there. It's for everyone. 
if you can connect with it, you can feel it. And a lot of what you're feeling, I don't know, someone once told me about uh, what their concept of prayer was like, you got a thought, uh, God's hearing it. You don't need to bow down and, and actually open, open communicate. Prayer is constant communication. And if that's kind of the force in him, and if in, if that was kind of what he was saying to Jana, of just like, now that thing you're feeling, yeah, that is that is the force. It is this guiding power. It's out there. Do you need a blade? Do you want a blade? Do you want a cape? Maybe, but you don't necessarily <laughs> need that. And again, I, I'm saying that carefully because I don't want to deny Finn his lightsaber because I do want to see it. I think he's owed that there a little bit. Um, but I, again, more of the philosophy of a new kind of Jedi. Yeah, I think you're saying saying it really perfectly of I I want to see Finn with his own lightsaber. I want to see how he designed it, all that stuff. But at the same time, I don't want to diminish how incredibly cool and powerful and important this idea is of, hey, just listen to your feelings. And there, I am a part of something so much larger. And mm-hmm. if I listen to my feelings and I believe my feelings, they will lead me in the right direction. That's a cool power all by itself. Absolutely is. It's it's uh, I, I, it's a it's a it would make Qui Gon feel happy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, we're gonna move on to Lando and Jana. That's one of the threads that's directly suggested by the movie. So it's a natural one for us to talk about. Uh, that Lando offers uh, Jana to help find her past in her home. Uh, we've both talked about this a ton. We both love this. What intrigues you about this idea, uh, uh, just by itself, or going forward, is more explicit storytelling. Yeah, I think this uh, this could be a nice uh, novel. This could be could be something there. Could kind of a uh, uh, you know I don't know I don't know who the villain is. I don't know. We're not writing it. Doesn't matter, Ken. Don't get lost. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's it's not it's it it seems to be the path that these two characters are going to immediately take. Lando's going to start with her, and uh, because we know you know his daughter might be lost. I don't know. We don't know where that. That, that story thread goes where they would want to take that. Does he eventually find his own uh, child um, now all these years later? I don't know. But them trying to uh, reunite the lost children of the galaxy with their families or helping them discover their post-war lives uh, is similar to like what I said with like Finn maybe not wanting to go home. I, I, it's, it's, it's just really powerful. And it's, yeah, sure, not quite the whiz-bang Star Wars adventure, but it would really be uh, build on the spirit of uh, the found family idea uh, in Rise of Skywalker and who you are in the story as the sequel trilogy talks about. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that moment so much. It's because again, it is, uh, it's so kind and there's uh, this great uh, emotional complexity because there's a lot going on at that uh, party on agent class. And one of those things is Lando, sitting down looking kind of lonely and all the people that, that he knows, uh, you know, with the exception of wedge, <laughs> uh, are gone. And then that moment of connection, uh, that real world power of, Hey, you were taken from somewhere, uh, and wrongfully. So let me help you write that, um, is beautiful how it comments on the real world and how it uh, matters in the story of star Wars. And just a, such a deep theme that resonates of let's uh, let's try to reclaim something that was lost uh and you could get into really interesting storytelling of you know what what were these incredibly different cultures that they were taken from what happened to the people who remained did anybody remain how much of you know the culture that you've learned is being part of the first order do you want to combine with the the culture that you were taken from those are all really juicy and interesting ideas to me 
Oh, totally, totally. Um, it, it, to me, because this whole we kind of keep coming back to this idea, but it's it's like Clone War, uh, Galactic Civil War, and then the time in between are to me just one big giant chapter, and the whole galaxy has turned to turn this page, and it is a blank slate. And finding your place in that new slate, and 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 looking to where you came from and where you want to go, it's going to be something that would I think keep popping up in these in this characters, all these characters' journeys post. Yeah. Yeah, I keep coming back to ideas that that involve community and ideas that involve healing. And, I, you know, it would be I could even see a world where uh, a part of what, you know, Ray and Finn in particular learned is like we are stronger together. And that means you and I. So let's not spread out on our own missions of like, let's let's go around the galaxy together, you know, and not. Uh, that's the thing that Luke did. It was kind of like, uh, hey, good job, everybody. <laughs> I'll be around. I'll pop in when Ben gets born. But I got stuff to do. I got right. mysterious Jedi stuff to do. And, you know, maybe that's a lesson that Ray learns and like i you know I'd, I'd love just the lando and Jana together and i know that's the way the scene is set up but i could i would love seeing maybe that's what ray takes on as her first jedi mission is her and finn and lando and Jana go around the galaxy help mm. helping you know former first order people love that uh poe so we talked a lot about uh how we would stand on our soapboxes and demand that poe <laughs> embrace yeah. his skills as a leader uh but what else do you want for poe um um, Where's that it? He's, he's, he's got to be it. <laughs> Sorry, your president, chancellor, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. You're you're burdened with that for the rest of your life. No, um, I would definitely want to keep his his uh, spirit. I think he too um, deserves a vacation. They all deserve a vacation, but you know, yeah, he's he had some time. He had a good childhood, I think. Well, we're going to find out more as we uh, review Freefall uh, coming soon here to Forza. So I think I think they're. I think it would want to be for a time. He might be interested in setting this up, helping to set this up, being a leader, but then he wants to ride off into the sunset. Wants to go to something else. Maybe he wants a family. Maybe he wants to uh, go back to Yavin four and, and settle. And, and, and I, I like the idea of him going, yeah, I'm, I'm here for this, but I'm not going to be a lifelong politician. I'm not going to be 40 years into this. I'm going to go enjoy the galaxy that I was a part of, of preserving. And now, um, maybe protecting or setting him going forward. So I, I could see Poe Poe in an RV at one point. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the idea. An RV is great. Uh, Poe Dameron travels the galaxy in the fastest RV you've ever <laughs> you know seen. I, I don't, there's something I really like about Poe that it is that he's a thrill seeker. And that's a part of what, you know, gets him a little bit turned around on always wanting to do the daring adventure but that there's a part of him that's like he lives to fly. He lives to experience things. And I think that's the part of him that you, when you see it on film pulls away from like, well, yeah, you have to be a leader, but you want to be zipping around fast somewhere. And I like how could you tell that story with Poe where that 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 he needs that part of himself uh, and how he gets to express that. You hey, look, we could have Sorkin write these the walk and talks for him in the uh, government buildings. He'll be zipping around those hallways. <laughs> that's right he's definitely got some sort of scooter some stand-up yeah. scooter right yeah. <laughs> a segue that's the space segue he's right <laughs> what are your hopes for rose tico what do you want to see happen with rose the rose tico institute for frontline heroes uh this is a higher education <laughs> facility uh, uh taking all the little uh, tech nerds and uh crew members who uh, were very key. Uh, Voberdan definitely going to be uh, 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 you know, uh, a tenured professor there. And just uh, talking to the true heroes of the galaxy, not taking away from our superstar heroes, 
But I think in watching Last Jedi again this weekend, I just, I do love what the movie says about, hey, here's your perception of, of, of Finn, who, by the way, grows into being the hero that people thought he was and that he actually did start out to be. He just had to go through that own his own journey. But just taking away, here's your view of them. But, you know, Rose, you're the hero. Paige, you're, you were a hero. And mm-hmm. uh, we talk about Tally Lintra leaving Pip-Pip 3 to join the fight. She's a hero. They're all heroes. And I think Rose could help them. I think there's, I think she could have a place in government. She could be, uh, I don't know, the galaxy's chief uh, engineer. Uh, you know, her and Beaumont Ken could uh, start a podcast uh, together of uh, secrets uh, only the Sith knew, they can call it, uh, and go through there. But I I, I, I want her to uh, help, uh, help build a better appreciation for those that really make the galaxy go round. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Uh, Beaumont Kin, right? We're we're gonna talk about minor characters. Put put a pin in Beaumont Kin. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, I love what you're saying about Rose, and I think that is there's so many different uh, aspects to the character and aspects, obviously, to the all of the the real life noise around um, the character of Rose, and, and remains one of my only real disappointments, but a major one with Rise of Skywalker that she didn't get. Uh, either more screen time or more of a big hero moment. Uh, but you're so right to celebrate in Last Jedi. She is the perspective of somebody who just like, I, I was not born to this. I wasn't thrown into this. I saw something awful happen to my planet and I stood up and said no. And I, I used the skills that I had and, you know, citizen hero, right? That's that's yeah. who Rose is and that's who she wants to believe uh, Finn is and, and who Finn uh, becomes in his own way. Um, but she's also got these great engineering skills, right? Yes. And she's clearly like inventive and clever with them. And I, I would love these ideas of like people are going back and forth in this new government about how big of an army to build. And she's just like, I, uh, I invented this uh, real simple planetary shield. <laughs> just like a totally uh, nonviolent uh, pacifist uh, forms of uh, defense that we can use in, if we're ever attacked. And, you know, we don't have to point a, a gun at the galaxy. We can be more of a shield. And here's, yeah. I invented some tech that's good pacifism tech. I could see Rose Tico doing that. Yeah. And if there's going to be any great exploration of parts of the galaxy that we don't know, I definitely want uh, Rose on that, uh, on that search team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I can see, you know, depending on the different uh, political moving and shaking, I can see Rose is a, is a candidate for leading as well. Cause mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of, you know, building a political career, like Rose Tico, came from nothing and now here she is you know yes uh perhaps the most important question of the end of the sequel trilogy does chewbacca go home to his wife does chewy go home to mala (laughs) oh and he's got some splaining to do (laughs) yes uh we've got the wookie divorce uh marriage story kramer versus kramer star wars film we finally need Justin. this is (laughs) we're finally gonna deal with this and see what's going on and maybe um uh lump uh will uh, show up as well uh i i do want this kind of answered look jokes aside this is one of those big kind of unanswered Star Wars questions, right? It's it's occasionally addressed. Wendig had some fun with it a bit. But yeah, we we Star Wars holiday special aside. Put that put that aside for a little bit. Um we're not we're not worried about itchy. Uh there, there's some truth <laughs> to it. Yeah. <laughs> there's some truth to this of Chewy. You got to go home. It reminds me because Chewie's so beloved and he's this great just support system for the galaxy. And he's so loyal. 
to jump over to Game of Thrones, Sir Davos Seaworth on TV or the books, doesn't matter, goes off on all these adventures, but he has a wife and family. Now he, his sons die. And in the show, he has one son, Matos, but that doesn't, that still is there. It's always, it's such a good, he's such a good dude. And you're like, but you're, do you go home at any point? <laughs> do, yeah. Do so yes, Chewy, you got to face the music. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, talked about in bits and pieces of a canon here, but I like the idea that, you yeah, know, Chewy went home for a while. And then Han was like, uh, look, uh, I'm separated. Um, I'm alone. <laughs> and and yeah. Chewy's like, Mala, I'm sorry, but you know, you know, the whole life debt thing. I gotta, I gotta. Um, oh, yeah. But then he comes home and, and tells his story. And I would, uh, that that would be a great, I would love that. That's just a, a comic book that is just Wookiee roars. But then you <laughs> see the images and you see the story of the sequel trilogy and the way that Chewie is presenting it to Mala. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about, uh, you know, having from a certain point of view of like, what's, what's Chewie? I don't think Chewie lies, but I think he has an interesting perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Mala pushes back and like, now why did you take Ray to that ship where Kylo Ren was? <laughs> like, look, yeah. look, uh, people got to make their own mistakes. You know, we all know that. Yeah, I think there could be some absolutely great uh, stuff with uh, Chewie going home to Mala there. Um, oh, that's the other thing I was gonna say is, you know, you're talking about Ray taking vacation. I, I think Ray definitely wants to see Kashyyyk, so I think she goes and visits. Oh, that Chewie. Oh, yeah. Because she's so into, you know, the the great line of, you know, 3PO, no one knows the odds better than you. Like she's she's in tune to other people and, and wants to learn more and ask ask those fun questions. And I, I could see her being like, Chewie, can, can we go to Kashyyyk? Can I just go like, to your yeah. So you live in trees. Your city is built entirely among. I, I got to see this. Oh, could you imagine her going, can I climb up on those trees? Oh, my <laughs> God. Just the joy on Ray's face. Yeah. Climbing trees. So great. Uh, any other characters that you have hopes and dreams for? Some of the smaller characters. We got our Zori or Babu, uh, Claude, DJ, Bazine, Natel, Beaumont, Ken. What do you got, Ken? Oh, boy. Let me count the ways. Uh, I'm just going to run down the, the log lines here. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Now here it is. It's uh, Wicked and Pomet. That's it. That's it. Wicked and Pomet. I just want to hear more of their stories. I want to hear more Wicked explaining the galaxy to his son. Cause I love in the, in the rise of Skywalker novelization and just like, Hey son, look, look what our friend three PO did. Uh, just <laughs> love that. Aspect. Love that. Uh, after Akbar carries on, uh, I want to see him, uh, carry on the legacy of his father, maybe, uh, bring him on Calamari back to its glory. I could, I oh, want yeah. Zori finds some sort of peace. Right. She's had a tough life. And at this point in time, Joseph and I have not started to dive into free fall. Uh, we will be soon. So we're going to learn more about Zori. Was a win? Zori win? Yeah. Uh, Zori, uh, I want her to, not that she deserves a vacation, but look at the, the pain in her. I got to get out of here. The pain. The, the, it's not just the spice run in life, but just you got to you get a sense of that. That existence, uh, you know, uh, was topsy-turvy. And Kajimi was her home, right? Kajimi For a long time. Oh, like yeah, so uh, I want I want my uh, I want my beloved Zori to find some peace. I don't know what that peace is. It's the peace that she wants, but I, I think she can find it. Oh, uh, that's it. Maybe her and Poe get together and they they do dangerous uh, uh, medical <laughs> spice relief runs. There you go, medical spice relief runs, indeed. And then Poe's still like, and eh? she's like, no. Um, <laughs> Wedge and Nora's golden years. Finally, they get to do it again. They get to Aww. kind of uh, you know get to really enjoy it now. Uh, 
3PO and R2's final adventures, I don't want to say, I don't want to ever see them powered down, but they've been around a while and maybe they get to finally relax and, or tell stories in some way. Again, I want R2 to have, if we're, if we're highlighting storyteller uh, going around the galaxy with brochures, R2 needs to be there. Um, oh yeah. Here's, you talk about Ray traveling around without a doubt. I believe, and maybe it already happened by the time we see her on Tatooine, or maybe it happens right after, because she's got to get bury those lightsabers. Ray and Unkar plots tense but forgiving dinner. Ray returns to Jakku <laughs> with many portions for many people. Oh, that I, is great. Yeah, I don't think she would be opposed to returning there. Uh, I think eventually. I think part of her journey, tracing her journey, tra- tracing her growth. Um, who knows? Because there's some kind of maybe thanks to be given uh, to Unkar, you know, it seems like he's taking custody, right? Uh, you know, you know, I don't know, I know, I know, I know, but like, it wasn't <laughs> great, but like, I don't know, maybe there's some kind of like, hey, you kept me afloat until you dumped me in a walker or whatever. Um, but her, her spirit now, where she comes now, uh, returning to face any problems there. And again, um, Unkar, give me all your portions. I'm passing them out to Sarko. Plank is going to get some portions. I know. I love that idea. I don't think Ray's like, okay, I, I triumphed over evil. Now I'm going to go cut Ankar's head off. <laughs> I don't think she goes there to settle scores, but I love this idea that mm-hmm. she would go back to say, yeah, no, you can't hoard those resources. You know, I, I have some power now and I'm, I'm, I feel okay using it this way, you know, yeah. and I can see her going too. like, anybody want off this rock, you know, <laughs> come on board the Falcon, you know, and I'm not gonna let the, I'm not gonna let Ankar Plot uh, decide who gets to eat or not. Yeah, uh, there a couple yeah. more, and I'll get I'll get out of here. My uh, Lieutenant Connix becomes a leader. I think she she does. That. Oh yeah. Um, I want Griff Halloran's flight school. And look, there's a lot of aces, but I think Kaz uh, becomes a great ace uh, racer as the sport becomes legitimate across the galaxy. It just becomes oh, right. new pod racing for a new time. I think that one's spot on, spot on. That's great. That is absolutely great. Um, you covered a lot of great ground and hit a lot of great characters. So I just have a couple. Um, Beaumont Ken, uh, we were talking about all all of this stuff about history. Like, I, I get the sense that once you ask Beaumont Ken one question, you got to buckle up because he's going to give you all the details. Right. Uh, but he's got knowledge. So he he would perhaps be the best person to have the sort of um the uh, institute uh, of the power of story where he he tells you the actual truth and you know demystifies uh the sith demystifies kylo ren you could really get like beaumont kin could be in the extremely important uh truth wing of the uh which sounds like propaganda it's always hard coming up with a name like that that doesn't sound like propaganda but like really does travel the galaxy with uh, his uh, educational speeches, maybe with a character with more flair uh, going along with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe it's Beaumont and Claude, who knows? Uh, Claude's yes. probably not the best in communicating, yeah, but uh, maybe, maybe. Well, maybe, maybe Beaumont goes to the Aki Aki and, and learns the puppet show. <laughs> he gets the yeah. Aki Aki to come with him and yeah. travels planet to planet. Love that. Um, yeah. But they're, they're, one of my favorite shots at the end of Rise of Skywalker is in that montage of victories of different planets. You know, you get the great uh, Wicket and Pomet. But in the shot of Jakku, Ray's speeder is now there with the fallen X-Wing and the fallen Star Destroyer. It's just that great, fast, subtle suggestion 
that this girl from nowhere, this, you know, lowly junk trader is now going to pass into legend. And I, w- I would love to see like when Ray goes back to, uh, t- uh back to, uh, to Jakku, mm. you know, is the myth already growing around her? And the, right. the, uh, uh, a Beaumont Ken Ray, uh, short story where they go back to Jakku together and, <laughs> and she's like, don't turn me into a legend, you know, there you go. Tell, tell the real story. Uh, my final thing, not minor characters at all, and you touched on them, but my final thing that I would like uh, to see is I would like maybe R2 and Babu Frick oh, to yeah. figure out together that they are buried deep, deep down, but they can access all of 3PO's memories. And I would love if this was a comic book, maybe, because I think it would be a really vi- beautiful visual story of... Uh, maybe they have to travel around to do it and find, you know, different uh, parts or maybe some of it is has to do with the e, 3PO's photoreceptors have to focus on something that it was there at that event or whatever. But that it is how does 3PO change when the entire story that he lived through is accessible to him again? And in a way, it might be like a beautiful end. I don't want to see their destruction, like you said. Uh, I don't ever want to see R2 and 3PO end, but it might be a beautiful end to their story to see uh, these droids that Lucas originally envisioned is kind of the keepers of the story to have R2 help 3PO remember and honor the whole story. And what would 3PO think as he made all these connections and, and regained all these fond memories of, uh, of the loved ones who are there no more. Yeah. He's like, how, wait, how many times I've been on Tatooine? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was my first job. Got it. Got it. Programming binary load lifters. Got it. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's one of the, one of the things that uh, that I think was uh, great in um, Rise of Skywalker is elevating three PO, and I think this would be a great way to celebrate both of them and celebrate the Skywalker saga, and just put a little a little button on the idea of the droids as the keepers of the story. Love it, and more Babu is always a good thing. More Babu. That's what we build to at the end of this uh, big episode is more Babu is always welcome. Final question for you, Ken. What is the balance for you, do you think, between letting these characters enjoy their victory? We talked about a lot of them taking vacations versus us as an audience still wanting them to go out and have more adventures. Where's that balance? It's 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 our we're the problems. We're the problem. <laughs> we want another evil force to emerge. We want the problem to be. From within, we want Rada the Hut to rise to power and be upset and cause problems <laughs> in the outer rim. Like we want all that. We don't want our characters to just relax and and uh, and, and enjoy things. So, uh, well, the balance. I don't know. Uh, I think something would emerge. I just think it is again the nature of these beings living in this galaxy. Maybe another evil force. Uh, again, I would I would think it maybe would come from within, so to speak. Uh, that it wouldn't be an innovating uh, force like the Yuzon Vong. That's the last Yuzon Vong reference on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I want them to enjoy it. Because they've already, because again, this is a different different kind of victory. It is a victory, a complete and whole victory for the galaxy. And now they have a chance to do things again. So hopefully they can benefit from that. And there could be another thousand generations of peace in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. I think I like that idea. I think, you know, it, it's all about scale, right? Mm -hmm. That you hear that often as a writer, like, you know, raise the stakes. It's Star Wars. We were introduced to Star Wars where the whole galaxy was at stake. Everybody was under the boot of this 
horrific empire. Uh, we're used to that being the scale of Star Wars, particularly on the screen. Um, you know, Solo managed to push back against that a little bit, and some people didn't like it because it was smaller scale. But wherever these stories might emerge, particularly kind of immediately after the rise of Skywalker for the next several years, I'm really okay with stakes being smaller because I think that's part of uh, some of the philosophy that I like about Star Wars that really emerged in the sequel trilogy of Luke's uh, speech to Rey when she is really feeling the force of the light and the dark are both there. And what the Jedi want is to have balance. They don't want Darksiders to super empower the dark side by causing just rampant death and destruction and, you know, gutting worlds and causing pain that ripples out everywhere. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there isn't still balance to be maintained and that that could be the role of heroes and of Jedi to say that any time where the natural darkness starts to emerge, where there's uh, pain and death, where there doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be a full-scale war. I'll just be the shield. I'll be the person who comes and says, hey, uh, let, let's try to look at it from a different perspective. Let's try to find peace. And if we can't have peace, let's just, you know, de-escalate quickly as much as possible. And just spending a lot of time in that philosophy of light and dark are normal to go and have this this cycle but it's when the cycle really gets out of control and the dark side really emerges that we get these full-scale galactic events. And that's what Ray and Finn and all of our heroes are going around the galaxy trying to do, of just keep the dark side in balance with the light and keep as many people as possible safe and happy and enjoying puppet shows from Beaumont Kin. <laughs> that is what we want. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think... For me, as an audience member, I'm okay with the storytelling stakes being a little bit smaller so we can enjoy that different perspective and give these heroes a little bit of the vacation and the joy that they deserve. Absolutely. Ray's uh, solo journey through the galaxy to discover all the best places to eat. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I think what that is telling you, dear audience, is that Ken and I have been recording for a little while and we're both hungry for lunch. So we're <laughs> going to go have that adventure right now. Uh, Ken, do you want to wrap up with all the places a uh, Force Center can be found? I would love to. We can be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Tune in and more. If you're listening to us on some place and you want to listen to us another spot, we're not there. Let us know. And we can try to get on there. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. We recommend the speculate responsibly t-shirt because we are speculating responsibly and wildly for the future post episode nine. We are on Patreon at patreon.com slash force center. Always uh, excited to have new patrons jump on and support us as well. Also, Great way to support us is just to listen and tell a friend about the show. You can find our uh, other uh, uh, other stuff outside of Star Wars on uh, catnapsack.com for me. Uh, don't forget to follow Jennifer Landa and all her great stuff she's doing, especially over there on TikTok. And uh, Joseph, they can follow your website as well. That's right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw and my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Do it, my friends. Do it. 
All right, we are going to take a vacation right now, but we'll be back, don't worry, in just a couple of days. And uh, next week, uh, more news, looking ahead at the, looking into the Poe Dameron uh, as a kid story, as a troubled youth story, and more <laughs> great uh, uh, Star Wars ranks, interviews, and surprises here. We well, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey, Babu! Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.